when you do that, th those are the deals that work out good. So the big question is, what are the top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate, grow their teams and add more transactions year over year while so many struggle? If you ever thought about this, you're not alone. No one has been able to get the answers until now. We spent the last few years helping agents sell billions in real estate, rubbing shoulders with top producers, which got us thinking. How can we expose more people to these insights to help raise the standard in the whole real estate industry? We then realized that we could help bridge the gap by getting secrets from the best of the best so that you can succeed. My name is Andrew Dunn. And my name is Peter Michael. Welcome to Elite Agent Secrets. At what point did you guys know to expand from being so narrow and go and just building a little bit wider what did that look like what like the phases because i'm assuming you weren't yeah. just like oh acquisition boom we're developing now it, it there, yeah. there had to be some kind of uh progression well, like, out. like before we even started the wholesale stuff we wanted to buy and build i mean honestly we want to buy and build luxury apartment complexes like that's so you started with that goal in mind well, yeah, right. So that's like, and like, we're still not there yet. You know, it's, this is all a process. So we started narrow with just the acquisitions. And then once we got a little bit more money in the bank and we were uh, somewhat comfortable with our knowledge ourselves on kind of a bird's eye view of how a deal goes from A to Z, from purchase rehab to close. Uh, and we had, uh, you know, a, a pretty solid group of networkers, or I'm sorry, a, a solid group of mentors in our network, um, which allowed us to, you know, basically feel comfortable with the amount of people and the skill set of those people that we had in our network to be able to lean on when we ran into any issues during that first rehab. You know, so once we just felt comfortable at that point, uh, then we raised a little bit of money, uh, started out with just like family and friends uh, and leveraged it with hard money. Uh, and we did our first fix and flip. So we did the acquisition, purchased off market. Uh, I think we bought it for 120. We put in about 130 and we sold it for you know, 340. So after closing costs and all investors were paid and everything, we were able to walk away from that deal with 50 grand. Uh, I was like, you know, it was like 55 grand or something. Um, and then uh, we had a little bit more money in our pocket and we had a little bit more know-how. We had a little better network uh, and we just looked to do it again. Um, one of the so things so I want to touch on, because this isn't, I mean, <clears throat> It, it would impact you in people in your area, but, you know, for everyone else in the world. <laughs> um, one of the things is right now, obviously, fix and flips, like you're trying to get listings. You mentioned that off market. I just want to unpack a little bit, like how you're finding them. Like how are you finding deals? Like how are you finding the, you know, the, the homes to buy, you know, uh, getting them yeah. off market? Because I think that's something that, that's, there's multiple levels, whether you're an investor or buying and flipping and stuff that someone could use potentially one of your strategies to try and get, even if it's a couple more listings a year, right? I mean, we've yeah. spoken about some amazing strategies before, but I imagine you've got a completely different take on some of the other people we've spoken with. So I'd be interested to hear about that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, agents should use these, oh, every strategy that I'm using. But this is this also comes back to the first point of like, you know, realizing that you're a business owner, owner and treating it as a business and realizing that that's going to take some investment, not only of your time and energy, but it's going to take an investment of some capital. So with us, we spend a lot of time crafting different marketing campaigns to be able to reach people through the mail, uh, cold call. And we, when we started, we spent, um, like I said, we were in debt. So we had a credit card and we literally spent like a thousand bucks. I think we sent out maybe 2000 mailers 
um, directly to sellers. So I, I actually went to different public record websites and I built lists of people who I thought would potentially be interested in selling houses. I made sure that there was a positive and a negative with each lead. Uh, the positive meaning like, you know, they have a lot of equity, for instance, is the, the most common positive. So the reason why I say it's a positive is because if a house is worth a hundred grand and they have uh, 90% equity, then when I offer them a hundred grand, uh, you know, they're going to walk away with $90,000. So it's a very positive emotion versus if they only have 10% equity, I offer them a hundred, great, but they're only walking away with 10 grand. You know, so it's not like you don't get as much of that positive energy power. Uh, and then the negative would be something like, uh, you know, uh, they're on the LNI unsafe list, right? So there's something wrong with the property, like structurally that is um, uh, hurting the integrity of the actual house and the city has deemed it somewhat unsafe or they haven't paid their taxes in two plus years. You know, so now this is the second year in a row, third, fourth, fifth year in a row that they haven't paid their taxes, meaning something is probably wrong. Um, so those are just a couple of examples there. But once you have the list, we then went to white pages and it was the cheapest one that we could find at the time uh, where we got an account on white pages and we skip traced all the numbers ourselves. You know, and then once we skip traced all the numbers, uh, then we called ourselves. So we were physically cold calling ourselves. And we had, you know, like I said, it was, you know, maybe a thousand pieces of mail or something or 2000 pieces of mail um, that we sent out. And it was a total investment of uh, probably about $1,500, maybe uh, 12 to 1500 for that first, that first, uh, you know, marketing campaign. And in that investment, we ended up finding, um, we found two deals, I believe, from that one, actually. One deal where we made 20 grand on and one deal where we made like 12 grand. You know, so we invested like 12 or 15 and we made you know, 32. You know, so, but it took a hey, hey, Andrew, are you going to say it or I'm going to say it? <laughs> it's all you. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> because you're telling us that you spent 12 to 1500 to make about 32K. By taking a chance on yourself, not knowing at that time if it was going to work, but you were able to take your last dime, your your last you know pennies, and put it on a credit card. You mm. picked up the phone and you did the fucking work. Yeah, it's the hard yards, isn't it? That's the, that's the phrase I love. Cold calling is the hard yards. Like that's yeah. the truth. It's just the hard yards, and some people are amazing. Someone actually part of like our team and organization is. Um, guy called walter who's just joining he is like cold calling is like just his jam like he just loves it like he's like this is, i'm just like a hunter mentality yeah. uh, brad who's you know um who we're with as well like he's like that he is pure hunter you know he's like i will pick up the phone and dial 100 200 people a day i don't care i want to build that connection and i'll get it done a lot of people see that's I'm sick to have that mentality like honestly i didn't like I, I hated it. I yeah. freaking hate cold calling, but it's like, you just have to, you have do, to do it. it. Yeah. Oh like, God, like it's awesome. If you already have that mentality, if you're like, yeah, hell yeah. Like I love cold calling. Let me, let me get after it. But it's like, if, even if you don't have that, that meant, even if you don't like it, like tough shit, you know, if you're starting your business, if you have some goals, then, you know, it's, it's one of the things that will help you to, get your business from where you are to where you want to be. I mean, I'm, I'm looking right now. I have, uh, I've, I have like two screens. So on, on this other screen, you know, I just saw a message pop up from this kid. I know who's a realtor 
and he's brand new, just started out. And, uh, you know, I told him, I was like, look, you find us anything, I'll pay you on the front and then you can list it on the back. I'll teach you anything you want to know about development. I'll introduce you to anyone that I know that I think would be helpful. And you hustle, do your thing, bring us deals. He just brought us this deal. It's like this absolutely freaking absurd. Like a, it's like a 60 unit deal, which is like way bigger than we ever, we've ever done. And, you know, I am actually, I'm talking to other partners um, because I can't take it down on my own. Uh, with you, our but you want the big fish. This is this is the this is the starting gate, isn't it, to these bigger fish deals? Sixty units is serious. Like I, oh I love all this stuff, man. Like I want to mm-hmm. get into the hundred of unit complexes. I've spoken about this before. Like nowhere yeah. near myself. Like you know, I don't even do any investing right now. Like biz building. I'm like you. Know, I'm focused on building my business, and then that will eventually get to a point where I can invest and do that, and it's yeah. more packed for me. But. You know, it's people like you who I would go to and be like, listen, I've got a million dollars, whatever, that I'd like to put into a property. You do all that and we just, you know, split yeah. it however you do it. Incredible right? way to invest in real estate. Listen, we, you and I do one of those deals in the future. You bring a million bucks. You'll end up owning probably 70%, maybe 60 to 80% of the deal. I'll take 20 to 40% of the deal. And in addition to your 60 to 80% equity in the deal, you'll also get anywhere from a 6 to 8% preferred return. So you're getting paid first, your 6 to 8%. And then the rest of it will split on 70, 30 lines or 60, 40 lines or 80, 20 lines in your favor. Um, and it's like, you're not even, you're just funding the deal. You don't, you're not actually operating the deal. So doing that is a hell of a way to invest in a real estate. It's called, you know, syndication real yeah. estate deals, which is, I'm sure you've, you've, yeah, you're yeah. familiar with. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's like my, my vision. I mean, listen, like we spoke about initially about being a business owner and it's like focus is super important to me. Peter, Peter will attest to this. Like I have got like, Arrow straight vision, like I want this thing. That Sometimes I- it's annoyingly narrow <laughs> and focused, where I have to learn how to work within those parameters. Well, that's what we're talking about, though. It's like you build narrow, right? So you're starting out narrow. You're super focused. Yes, on what you're good at, and you're doubling down on your strengths, and you're recruiting out your weaknesses, and then you slowly expand to the point where. You know, when you want to invest into real estate yourself, because you were so narrow, now you have a sack of cash that you can toss into a real estate deal. Exactly. This is exactly my head. A hundred percent. Yeah. So my idea is build business, sell business, take money, a lot of real estate, build, you know, a part of a passive side, then do whatever I want. I mean, obviously these are grand visions. Yeah, I'm putting it out on here because I want to be I want I want it to be out in the world because I like to be held accountable. Like I'm going after it like a thousand percent. And listen, like the journey's been fucking rough even to get to yeah. here. Like I've failed a lot, a lot. And like, I I don't, I mean, I don't consider myself amazing at basically anything, but like I am persistent. Like that's the one thing that most people would define me as is persistent. That's an amazing thing to be amazing at. So it's like, I just don't quit. Like I've got no quit in me at all. And it's like, if you've got no quit, like you... I, it might take me, I mean, I'm not sure if people know Eric Thomas. He does some motivational stuff. And I think he said something like, took him if 11 you years to succeed as much as you want to breathe. That's oh, that going to be successful. It's, he said he took 11 years to get a four year degree, but he said, where on my degree does it say it took 11 years? Yeah. Right. Fucking nowhere. Mm-hmm. I still made it. And obviously, he's a multimillionaire now, but he's like, I made it. And nowhere on my degree, VCRs, does it say mine took 11 and yours took four? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like no one's counting. This isn't a race. This is where people get it. I'm going to go off on a tangent here. I know it, but like 
this isn't a race, right? It's like worthwhile tangent to take. Yeah, yeah. It's like Mm -hmm. this isn't a race that. uh, So I'm not again. This is like a bit of a high level thing, but there's something called game theory, and it's about the difference between finite and infinite games. And the whole point is finite are an agreed upon set of rules. So it's like baseball, soccer, and all this stuff. People, you go. We've got this many team members. It lasts for this long, and that's finite. Infinite game is there's no agreed endpoint. So like wars are a lot of like infinite games, right? And the problem with the business is people think they're a finite game when actually they're an infinite game because you're the people listening. To this, you are a realtor or a mortgage broker or you're in real estate, and there's someone else across the street who's also doing the same thing, and they're like, "Well, I'm a better realtor." But based on what? Based on what parameters? Are they better than you? Oh, well, they've done more deals. In, who agreed to these fucking rules? Right. I didn't. And like when, with business, like you're not in competition with anyone. You are solely in competition with who you were yesterday. Period. End of story. So like mm-hmm. I might get there in 30 years. I might get there in three. But who the fuck is counting? Yeah. Right? <laughs> what the fuck do they know if they are? You know, like... I can relate with that so much because honestly, I can relate from the opposite side. When I was a, when I was a young buck and I was very uh, immature, but I was doing well uh, professionally and financially. I remember looking at how other people were doing and I'd be like, oh my gosh, this guy is like 30 and he's only doing this. I'm 20 and I'm doing this. Like, oh my God. Like I'm crushing it. You know, I, was, I, I honestly was, like I said, I was immature because I ended up putting people like I looked at like the hierarchy in that manner rather than a hierarchy of, of competence, which is how I look at it now. Um, but then I also had like a period where I wasn't doing shit. You know, so I was doing really, really well. And other people were, you know, just in college or haven't started yet or were just not doing well. And then I kind of went down and then, and then I wasn't doing anything. And then those people at that period of time, I would look at the same people and they caught a really great period in their business life. And then they were crushing it. And I was like, damn, now I'm worse than them, you know? And then, and then I'm up and then they're down. And so it's, it's just constant. And, and that's when I realized like life is very, very long. It's a losing game when you start comparing yourself to anybody else. And exactly like you said, like Jordan Peterson talks about, you know, compare yourself, don't compare yourself to who someone else is today. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Right. And and comparison is the thief of all joy in life. Because you don't know, you don't know the struggles. You don't know what's happening behind closed doors, right? Mm -hmm. I know we're, we're, we're skimming over your story a little bit, especially in the beginning, but Mm -hmm. they don't see the quote unquote price that you paid to get over 50,000 people in your previous career of network marketing. Yeah, They don't see the highs and the lows and all the crap that came after when yeah. shit hit the fan. Totally. They're only looking at you guys now and be like, oh my God, these guys, overnight success. I know. But you guys are thinking of this as being a business owner. And if for, for people that didn't catch this, you you have a deal that came across your desk, 60 plus units. And the, the one thing that I picked up, it's like, we got to call our investors and, and every, you know, call some of our partners because you guys know your lane and what you're good at. Mm-hmm. And when you're about to bite a lot more than you can choose. So instead of fucking mm-hmm. that up, you're like, as a business owners, you're able to assess yeah. and make a decision on how to proceed. Mm-hmm.
So even now, yeah. you're, even though now you're narrow and you're expanding, you're not expanding beyond your capability, skill sets, and what you know. Mm-hmm. For so sure. everything, there's the invisible price, isn't there? That's the truth. Yeah. There's the invisible price to everything, and people just don't don't comprehend that. Like everyone looks great, but like like I, I, there's a lot of celebrities there's these instagram models all this these are like people things that people can relate to where they look fantastic for one picture they look fantastic for that video but holy fuck you go behind closed doors with some of them people man that isn't a fun life the happiest mm-hmm. people that most people know are actually the ones who are content with what they have and mm-hmm. aren't seeking to prove anything and like, mm-hmm. i know this is kind of like wildly off topic considering obviously it's real estate but on the on I think the the important note from my side is that it's like just just try and just try and up your own game for you. Like it's not about other people and it's not listen, you know, Timmy down the street might be doing a thousand deals, but like f- trust me from from I can speak from this. Like I wanted to kind of be the in this metaphorical Timmy doing a thousand. And then I got to say a hundred, and then I realized like how like like timmy's in a whole nother league and also like he's got 500 people that he's managing and like the complexities of all of this the overhead is biblical like i know some crazy well, so you broke. yeah so you this is a thousand plus, you can be over leveraged and broke this is the biggest thing that i've learned where it's like this is exactly true and it was my kind of note on it was like i now know a bunch of people who were doing 500k plus per month in revenue and they are they that business went broke because their overhead per month was 600 700 right. grand but exactly. you didn't see that you just saw the brand new mercedes you saw the house you saw the pictures at the game at the lakers or whatever it's not the story man the story yeah. behind closed doors and, and social media is just a, is just a quick little snapshot of reality it's not, not reality most of the time that's the truth though yeah right the snapshot they want to give you you know, and that's just not the truth. I mean, we're all in here, you know, we're, this is obviously about you, Andrew. I don't want to make this about me. <laughs> it, oh, yeah. It's it, No, it's about the fact that, like, you've gone through the fucking mud. Like, the trenches are the hard yards, which is now, like, why when shit happens, it's not a shock anymore. Like, the first time shit went south for me, for Peter as well, it's a shock. And then your system just, it's like your immune system. It's like all of a sudden you're just like, this ain't fucking new. It's just different. It's the same flavor, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I bet you can read through people's bullshit super quick now too. <laughs> yeah, well, that's another one where I try not to get too uh, too cocky about either. Like, have you guys, do you guys know, know who um, Malcolm Gladwell is? Yes. Yeah. Have you ever heard of his book, Talking with Strangers? I haven't read it. I have not read that one. I've, I've read the other leadership books that he has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got he's got a few really good ones like you know Blink Alchemist. He's got or not Alchemist, uh, Outliers. Um, Outliers. But, I've got I've got over yeah. them about halfway through. So he talks about in talking with strangers, like basically just gives example after example after example, showing how like people think that they're good at reading people, but basically nobody's good at reading people. And even like the FBI crazy people who you can read, you know, quote unquote everyone. It's like okay, if you the average person can read fifty percent of people, they can read fifty five. You know, it's it's. So I, I honestly, one of my big things is, you know, yes, picking up on tendencies and doing things like, you know, listening to someone's actions over their words and stuff like that. Um, but I stopped trying to think that I can get really good at reading people because 
it's just you know you can t- you can definitely tell very very quickly the the uh pieces of shit now I, I can definitely tell that a lot quicker but um i'm i'm very uh slow to be like yeah this guy is awesome he is on his shit and he's killing it i mean i don't i i try not to just just not make any assumptions or judge at all and you know operate in in terms of like okay i have this that i can bring to the partnership this value add here's our hole that we're missing you know can your value add uh fill this um you know this need that we have and if it's yes okay great let's make a good partnership okay as partners first step let's talk to legal let's get our partnership all uh worked out so that if it doesn't work out well we can split and have everything be okay and funny enough like though when you do that th- those are the deals that work out good when i haven't done that when i've skipped that step those are the deals that don't work out good and it, and that's when i really should have uh, had some some paperwork in place, so we're very just like kind of by the book at this point uh, in terms of you know bringing new people, you know getting in partnerships and bringing people on board and and things like that. Um, and that's because you guys are business owners and you're approaching it as a business. You're not just fucking winging yeah. it. You're not just like yeah, come to us, give us your money, we'll do X Y Z, and you're yeah. gonna figure it out the fuck later. And we'll do, and just like, you know, taking the emotion out of everything, like trying to, right? Like we're trying to just make rational decisions and remove the emotion uh, from each individual circumstance because that can fuck with you. Well, we all, we all know it's not a matter of like, if shit hits the fan, it's a matter of when. Mm-hmm. And when you have those types of, um, I wouldn't even say contingencies, but but that layer and level of expectation and standard set, then you know how to deal with it. It's not personal. It's a black and white decision. If it isn't working, you go the other way. There's really nothing there that, you know, people can get upset about. Will they get upset? Yeah, probably because, you know, we're, yeah. we're human beings are not rational. Right. Even though we agree to something, they'll take it a little personally. You may have a little bit of grit. Mm-hmm. But you can sleep better at night because you know that you did everything by the book as a business owner for what's best, not for you, for the business, because you owe that not to your partners, your shareholders, your investors, and everyone involved in the process, even your employees. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's there's a certain line, right, between like integrity and like just good business. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've uh, so like. You know, I know Pete has been part of like, like a quote unquote bad business where stuff went wrong and he was kind of chasing his tail. My, luckily, my first business that kind of went wrong just because it just didn't work out. It wasn't that we kind of lost loads of money type thing was actually with my mm-hmm. brother-in-law. And that was kind of cool because it was just like, it's easy, you know, it's kind of family. Although sometimes that goes wrong, right? But like with my other business partner, the very first thing we did, like you said, was it's not like, we didn't trust each other. It's not like we didn't have a relationship. This wasn't like a new relationship that we just formed. It was like, this is just good business practice. This says to yeah. me like you're going to do X and I agree to do Y. And in so doing, we are now in agreement and we have a partnership to go forward in, in an agreed upon manner, right? So then yeah. if I don't do X and you don't do Y, I can go, hey, you didn't do Y. Like that's your responsibility. and. We all need accountability. Whether everyone wants to admit it, like a lot of the time, I think if it's done wrong, it's fucking irritating, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. But like a lot of the time, accountability sucks because you know you're wrong. 
mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. they've called you out and you're trying to get away with it. And it's not malice. Yeah. Like a lot of the time you're just like, totally. fuck, I just... <laughs> <laughs> that's why you just need to like fully drop your ego like 100 you know yeah. it's just fully get rid of your ego and and operate in that manner and you know that that uh can help you out with your partnerships it can also help you out with you know just for instance pivoting when you need to pivot you know or being able to look at market feedback a, a real world example is um you know if all right so let's let's make it make sense for realtors um if you are listing a property on the same block as another realtor and that realtor sold in a week for 500 and you're listed at 490 and you've been listed for three months and your houses are the same condition and the same size, then you need to look at the variable, which is yourself and say, okay, what, what did they do? Like that, if that agent's able to humble themselves, maybe even approach the agent from across the street and say, Hey, listen, I'm having you know some trouble with this one. We've been listed for, you know, a lot longer than you and we're $10,000 less. Uh, you know, what do you, you know, do you have any advice, something that I could do, or honestly, even offering a piece of the deal? Hey, do you want to be a co-listing agent? I would love to see how you operate your business and being, you know, not being short-sighted, right. Being able to give away a piece of right now, uh, for a future benefit. I mean, I could tell you for us that has done incredible things and it takes you dropping your ego, realizing that number one, uh, you have some areas that you can get better at. And number two, also ask, actually asking for help, taking that extra action step of asking somebody else, hey, how can I get better at this? You are better than me clearly at this. What can I learn from what you did? Which comes down to mentorship, uh, mentorship, I should say in English. <laughs> mentorship, yeah, which I know you had, right? Everywhere, though. That's yeah. what I thought. We, you know, it took us a while before we had like one person where we're like, oh yeah, okay, you are now our mentor, right? Like before that, it was... All we did was we found different ways that we could add value to someone else's operation. So we would do some things like I would have a meeting with you, Andrew, let's say you're a developer in Philly, you've been doing it for 10 years. Then I would say, all right, what are you looking for? What do you want to buy? And you would just give me a specific area and specific criteria. And well, first of all, I'd reach out and I'd say, hey, can I buy your lunch? Right. I love your operation. I'd really admire what you're doing. You know, I, I'm, uh, I have aspirations to get there one day in the future. Could I buy you lunch? Right. So I buy you lunch. When we're sitting down to lunch, I would say, hey, how can I add value to your operation? You know, where are you looking to buy, for instance? And you tell me, hey, listen, I'm only buying in West Philly, east of 42nd Street. Great. Uh, what are you looking to buy? Two to five units. Awesome. I would go home. I would set up a marketing campaign targeting two to five unit buildings east of 42nd Street. As I send out that marketing campaign, when I get leads that come in, I would think of that person. I would say, hey, Andrew, I know that you're looking for two to five units east of 42nd Street in West Philly. Well, I found something right here. I don't have it under contract yet. I would like to sell it directly to you. What price do you want it for? What would make you excited to be able to buy this thing? He says 400. Great. I'm going to go on this uh, this uh, appointment. It's Tuesday at noon. You can come with me if you want, or I'll just straight up do the acquisition for you. And I'll hand, I'll be your acquisition arm. I'll keep everything under 400, whatever. You know. And he's like, okay, great. And then I would just go out and get that property directly for him. And then I would say, hey, listen, you wanted it for 400. How about 399? I'll give you a thousand dollars off and I'd like to take you out to dinner. I'd like to pick your brain. And then I take him out to dinner and I say, Hey, listen, dude, um, I really like this property that you just bought. I'm trying to get into stuff like that. 
Um, would you mind if you just CC me on some emails with your architects and with your engineers? I would really like to see this from a bird's eye perspective and see how this deal goes. Hey, could I stop by before you sheetrock it? Because I'd love to see what's behind the walls and how you set everything up. You know, oh, hey, when this is done, before you lease it out, can I walk through when it's done? And we have so many people like that, that were not our mentors. We just found ways to add value to their operation. They were stoked. They loved us. They just saved some money. And, you know, for us, we just had to bite our ego, realize that we were the low man on the totem pole in that interaction. And we also had to give up money in the short term for long-term gain. That same property that we just sold to them for $399, chances are we could have sold it to someone else for $420. You know, so we're leaving a substantial amount of money. And this happened multiple times where we left a substantial amount of money on the table so that we could get in good with someone uh, that we admired and then see the progression of their project. And you'd be so surprised how uh, generous people are with their time and with their resources if you approach them in a manner of not asking for them, uh, asking them for something first, but offering them something first. Yeah, yeah I think I think this is like one of the highest levels of contribution because you're not expecting anything in return, but because yeah. you're contributing so much, they feel almost like guilty and obligated. Yeah. It's in a good way, like you, that, you know, this is real cognitive bias, this is reciprocity, where you feel it's an actual, like it's hardwired into our brains, where you feel a need to give to someone when they've given to you. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. Now, before you go, we're giving access to a private training we did, where we revealed the top three niches to get listings today completely for free. So, if you want access, you can go and download that training at EliteAgentSecrets.com. We're regularly releasing new trainings, guides, and cheat sheets. So make sure to head over to EliteAgentSecrets.com and sign up so you don't miss out.